Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Tristan here with the Extreme Common Sense Podcast, thanking our friends at Berea Pond. We could not do the podcast without the generous support from Aaron and Robin at Berea Pond. And also, my house wouldn't have nearly as much cool stuff without all the items at Berea Pond. So when you're ready for your next furniture, gun, ammo, pallet, they have so much cool stuff, you're not ever going to regret going to Berea Pond. That's Berea Pond at 107 Clay Drive in the old IGA building across from near New Auto Center. Don't miss out. If you're from the area, you got to get into Berea Pond. I'm Trisden. And I'm Ray. What we hope to do here is find a little bit of middle ground on some of these extremely polarizing social and political issues. Welcome everybody to Extreme Common Sense. What's up, Ray? Hello, Tristan. How's it going, man? Sorry, I was running a little late. I misread my text from you. Nice. You know, that's the nice thing about messaging is that you know, there's a there's there, a record. There is. It's, it's official. <laughs> Wasn't my fault that you're late. <laughs> well, those commercials. I guess it's Geico with the uh, let's go to the uh, you know replay. I think those are wonderful. Have you seen a couple of them? They are great. Yes. It's like a husband and wife, girlfriend and boyfriend, uh, two brothers. I th- it's very funny. It's a neat concept. Let's go to the replay. Oh, I guess that was me. Yeah, I guess it was you because it is you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and shout out to our newest sponsor, Geico. Along with uh, yeah. with Bad Wolf Gaming and Berea Pond, so <laughs> that would no offense to Bad Wolf Gaming or Berea Pond, that would be a fine sponsor. Yeah, we would definitely welcome them into the fold. If if in fact that lizard is listening, we we would we would love to have his business. He's a gecko, please. That's a gecko. <laughs> is that lizard racist to call a a, a gecko a lizard and vice versa? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't know. You ask me these racist questions. I don't I don't know. Anymore. I just feel like but you're the, the you're the authority on racism on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, maybe unfairly. Um, no, 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 no. Guilty as charged. I'm sure. <laughs> so but you know how pretty... I, okay. But you know how I feel about that, man. I've got a very good uh, African American friend, Nate Haskins, who we were talking one day, and he's like, Ray. Uh, little bit like a little bit a little bit racist and i'm like and 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 here's how i answer that nate i was raised in a 100 percent white town that i left in 1988 that is still in 2022 a 100 percent white town pumpton plains new jersey so yes of course i have a racist element to me so here's what i have to do i have to fight that every day and the way that i fight that is to treat people with respect everybody and if you dis respect me somehow and you give me a reason to dislike it and even nate was like oh yeah okay that's cool but you know we've had this conversation tristan do i still look at a basketball court and go hey there's two white guys playing yes i do is that a product of my upbringing i would say yes it is and i would always say to that ray again i not to not that there shouldn't be self-reflection there i think we all every couple years look where society goes and and have to step back and think man i've really got to adjust my way of thinking but I mean, I think that's only a net positive, right? To to know your limitations and say, hey, yeah, I was raised in a in an all white place or an all black place, and maybe there's place for uh, people in my world that don't look exactly like me. And and you're certainly that person. You're not an exclusionary guy, and would have no. No, you I know, try to be inclusive, but exactly. I'm going to put you on the spot because you're always calling me out, Tristan. Fair and, enough. And I think, and you just answer this how you answer it. Now I might sit judgment on your answer, but. Do you look at a basketball game and say, hey, there's two white guys? 
Man, probably, <laughs> probably. You know, See, well, no, there's it, the point. It, Every white guy's a little bit racist. But it, I don't know that it makes you racist to be observant of race because I feel like when you were younger and when I was younger, it used to be you. the goal was to be colorblind and you don't notice race. And now I would say that may be a net positive that you're noticing and, and accepting, the, you know, the different races for who they are. Now that's more of a – so, again, yeah. I, you know, I mean, society changes so fast on that. Right. People who say, oh, I don't see color. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Okay. I, yeah, right. I don't see color. I got it. Yeah, that, that's a little um, disingenuous, huh? That's fair. I think so. But uh, pretty exciting, though, man. We haven't had a guest in like a hundred years. We're not. And we've got it's a been guest a long today. Time. Yeah. And he's got a great it's voice. It's been a long time. And we're yes. back on Riverside, so we're not at Daniel's studio. That's it. So we, we've so got a guest. So it may actually sound better. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. So, yeah, so we've got the, the, the founder of Stoveleg Media, our, uh, our parent company, we will say, a man that definitely regrets that decision to bring us on board. But uh, it's going to be a, a lot of fun chatting with Nate today. Uh, Nate Metz, Berea College a, alum like myself. I was going to say, a fellow Berea College alum for you, yes? Yeah, a Berea College that's alum. Right, yeah. yeah, Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So, so I guess the secret is out. Nate has been here the whole time. So, ladies and gentlemen, Nate Metz. Yeah, yes. I just snuck in the uh, back door. I guess. <laughs> yes, you did. Have you yes, on. did. Yeah, l- you know, bit by bit. Yeah, at the very beginning uh, of ECS, maybe I uh, had some second thoughts, but overall, <laughs> you know, the, the fact is, you guys continue to stick with it. You're uh, continuously putting out content, and you're igniting conversation, and that's exactly what I want to do. That's what I set out to do with these podcasts and this whole company. It's all about bringing in different voices. You guys had Elena uh, on from I've Been Thinking. Um, she, she was one of your guests over the summertime. She's right. with us now on Stove Leg. You guys, you know, had some differing opinions, but that's okay. We want to continue those conversations. So I'm excited to be on here and uh, chat with you guys about all things. Now, we appreciate that. Thank you, Nate. And we have talked. Actually, both of our listeners would have been sorely disappointed <laughs> had we given this up. So we have decided to forge on. <laughs> well, I'm glad you did. That's for sure. Yes. <laughs> Nate, so what got you into this space? What got you into the podcast broadcast uh, space in your life? Well, I guess I'll I'll set it up um, at the end of the Berea story. I know you mentioned the whole Berea College angle, and we can talk about more of that in a little bit. But uh, I graduated from Berea College in the winter of 2016, and from there, I, I had like $42 in my bank account. I packed up the Volvo and I, I put all the gas that I could into it. And I drove from Lexington up to Cincinnati where uh, my family's from. Um, my family's normally from Southwestern Ohio. Um, although I grew up uh, about an hour North of Chicago myself, right on the border of uh, Illinois and Wisconsin, just North of Rockford, Illinois, if anyone out there knows right. where that is. So I, um, I moved in with my grandfather into his uh, spare room. And when you're 22 years old and, you know, you're used to being able to go to the bars and have fun, you know, you're hanging out with your friends all the time. Um, it, it was definitely a change of pace for me. Um, I needed a job. I wanted to get back out. I wanted to live on my own. And I got a job working at Western and Southern Financial Group. And a lot of people don't talk about former employers. I will. 
Western and Southern did me extremely well. Um, it wasn't like the most glamorous job. It didn't pay the most money maybe, but they were always very fair with me. And even though the first entry level job I had, I didn't really like it was, it was kind of like if you've seen office space, like in oh, yeah. tech, like, like yeah. it was very like, you know, I had my TPS reports and uh, I wasn't being challenged enough. And, and I was very Peter like, I was very, um, That's funny. I wasn't really engaged with my work. And when I would sit down at my desk and I would be shuffling my papers around, not using the accounting degree or the broadcasting degree that I got from Berea, I would listen to podcasts and I had some friends, cool. um, that have, they have a, I'll give them a shout out. Mike Sandberg and Alex Maloney, who do a podcast on the network called The Fact Off, they um, were working in offices similar to mine, and we would have lunch together. They invited me to their table, and uh, Western and Southern, one of the few companies in the world that provides a like a full buffet hot lunch for every one of their 2,400 employees on campus. Yeah. Amazing stuff. Um, and the food's pretty good, too, but... We would talk, and Mike was really into podcasting, and it was kind of this newer thing still in 2016. I know that podcasts have really been around since, like, 06 is what some people will say, but it hadn't really taken on yet, and he and I would kind of nerd out about it, and I would listen to podcasts about podcasting, and I kind of fell in love with the idea of starting my own, and I did all this journalism stuff at Berea College because it's a work school, and I'm not doing anything now. Well, maybe, damn it, why don't I just start my own podcast and I, you know, I can try to build my audience and who knows, maybe it'll be the, the biggest hit ever. So I recorded a, I bought all this crappy equipment and it sounded yeah. like, you know, it sounded like I was speaking through like a shoe and <laughs> I recorded this show called The Climb. That was the first podcast I ever did. And it was all about covering Berea College athletics. Now you can nice. imagine a Berea College athletics podcast is not going to blow the water, you know, out of uh, any ocean. You know, it's not, it's not a crazy big show, but eventually by just, I wanted to see something through. I wanted to put together a full year of um, covering um, the school that I was covering for, I guess four and a half years before, and I did it, and it was fun. And I had, you know, maybe a, a hundred and a half listeners. I'm thinking like maybe 150, 200 listeners that would tune in to the interviews that I would do. And I was the only person really covering Berea College. I know the Richmond Register would, but not in podcast form. And it was fresh and different. And uh, ultimately, I kind of got tired of it because I wanted to move on to bigger and better things. But that basically is how the seed was planted, and I began to fall in love with the idea of podcasting yes but on demand audio experiences that's my political way of, of putting it it's uh it, it's really something that i think is the future i think that there's still a lot more room to grow in this industry and um and i'm glad that it brought us back together yeah yeah that's really cool where'd the climb come from the title uh, so the Mountaineers. So that's the mascot of Berea gotcha. College. So the gotcha. climb, I figured, would be um, just a, a you know kind of a clever name to you know talk about BC athletics. I was dating a uh, graphic designer at the time um, who's uh, now doing great work in Lexington. We're not together anymore. We haven't for a while, but we um, but we did really you know great stuff. And she made me like a little logo, and I kind of learned the importance of having good uh, artwork and and just doing those little things when you have those resources available. To to you, like not many right. people have, um, use them to your advantage when it, whenever sure. you get a chance to. That's great. Um, and uh, yeah, that was kind of my my climb experience. That's cool. Nice. So I know you've got uh, mysteries of the Ohio Valley uh, final season. Is that right? 
you said? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, that launch is actually t- the 23rd of November. I think uh, your show or this episode will release after the fourth season begins. We've done three seasons of Mysteries of the Ohio Valley, and uh, we're kind of burying the lead, not talking about True Crime Cast, but we'll get there, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but with uh, Mysteries of the Ohio Valley, uh, I had a partner, uh, Devin Beasley, um, a, broad, or a podcast partner, I, I called her, and she and I created some really cool stuff through two seasons. But, you know, she got married, and she and her lovely wife, Katie, have a great um, relationship, and they're working on building a family, and they've got a good house, and, you know, they, they're, they've got a lot of stuff going on and I want to be respectful of that and I didn't want to push her too hard. Scheduling's not quite working out so I've kind of had to branch out on my own with Mysteries of the Ohio Valley. The good thing is it seems like the audience has been receptive and we're still able to get the thousands of people that tune in each and every week. Um, and the fourth season is the final season but it's n- it's never going to end. As long as the show is going, the fourth season will keep running so I'm just going to continuously nice. <laughs> be recording um, as long as we go. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, it's, it's too big of a show for me to only tease the audience with eight episodes here eight episodes there let's just give them what they want let's you know keep pumping stuff out it doesn't have to be the epic hour-long show but a little taste of the ohio valley every couple weeks for people i think would be um something they would like to enjoy i'd like to think so at least well very nice and uh yeah, you do uh, work with another small show that you just referenced, the little uh, the little true crime cast thing, with uh, our mutual friend Jamie and John. You wanna wanna? I, we've actually, of course, had them on this show, but uh, mm-hmm. amazing what those guys have been able to do. What you guys have all been able to do together. Yeah, I, uh, I I talk with Jamie and John every day, and we you know constantly are looking back and being like, wow, how the hell did we get to this point? Like, <laughs> it, it almost doesn't make sense. They're more blown away than I am. I just remember all of the emails and phone calls that I was sending to try to promote the show and how many times I got turned down by small small podcasts. Like I would reach out to other you know, shows that maybe had a thousand listeners, maybe, I don't know, 2000 listeners, just something kind of, you know, it's not a small show. I shouldn't belittle those, but not like a massive company. But when I would reach out to like NBC's, uh, Wondery, which is a huge podcast network or Parcast, uh, which was purchased by Spotify or any of these big, massive companies, they were always willing to work with me. They were so happy to give me a shot and be like, Oh yeah, yeah, we'll promote your show. You just promote our show and give us whatever you can. And they were very generous with me. And from there, that was really how the show exploded. Um, and I, it wasn't that simple. John and Jamie, and they pumped out a lot of content. And it was plateauing at times as far as their audience and their reach was concerned. But what I focused on was cross-promotion because I really believed in them, and I still do believe in them. Um, but I really, truly thought that more people should be listening to those two and what they have been able to do for the last five years now. And I reached out to a company called Macmillan Publishing. They're most popular for their um, uh, high school books, or they're like uh, student books, like science books and history books or whatever. And uh, I found out that they were dipping their toes into podcasting. And I thought that was kind of cool. They were coming out with a true crime show called Case Closed, and I knew they had a big marketing budget. So I reached out to them, and I said, hey, what if we did a little ad swap on your episode, you shout us out, we'll shout you out on our episode. So they do it, and um, we fulfill our end of the bargain. They do the same. And I remember listening, this is 2018, 
or no, I'm sorry, March of 2019. I'm I'm in in the shower before I'm going to work at Western Southern, and I hear their ad. And if you guys have seen Goodfellas, there's a scene Thank where uh, Henry's like, bang, when he hears that the uh, that the robbery took place, he's in the shower, like screaming and hooting and hollering. It's like the exact same thing. I was so excited that we were getting that kind of coverage, and I didn't know how big Case Closed was going to be. By the end of that week, they were the number one podcast on Apple in the world. And wow. our show was right there getting all of this coverage. Now, Case Closed ended up, unfortunately for them, not having a lot of success. They had season one go, and then season two wasn't received very well. Bad ratings, bad reviews. The show isn't really in production, I don't believe, right now. Maybe they're going to bring it back for another season. But our show kept a lot of the listeners that came over. And from there, not overnight, because it took so long to get to that point, but we did have a massive spark at that point. And from there, I was able to monetize for them. Um, I'm able to, you know, keep them going, you know, and, and keeping, uh, you know, them. Not, they're not rich, you know, we're not getting crazy rich off of this thing, but uh, it is nice to, you know, get a couple, uh, you know, a couple bucks here and there when I'm able to, you know, sell an advertisement and sure. uh, get to work with these great ad partners. But yeah, the, the content is still flowing and um, I'm really excited for the future with them. And the next five years. Yeah, so check out True True Crimecast. Obviously, if you if you haven't, you're you're gonna love it. It's uh it, it's a lot of fun, and 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 you guys all do really great work with that show. Yes, thank you guys. So yeah. Nate, uh, I know one thing. I really want to get into the meat and potatoes of this because I know that we don't have well, really, we haven't had guests lately, uh, just due to the studio swap and, and kind of moving around and some different things. But I really envision this show is really chatting with a lot of folks that don't see politics like Ray and I. And I think you, we quoted you or sort of quoted you as saying that you were the most liberal of your friends. But I still feel as though that means you may still be right of center. Is that fair? I I call myself um, politically hard to map is usually the way that I go with it. There are definitely some things, uh, some topics or whatever that people would consider me right of center on. Um, But I I also like to think of myself as a creative individual. And I really try to, um, I I hate just saying keep an open mind, but I do try to look at things from different angles. I try to look at things from different perspectives, ignite more conversation. And then uh, if I'm wrong or if I'm maybe not comfortable with the way that something is sitting with me, maybe I can change. You know, I'm I'm always open to that. I think that's important for, for everyone. In, in this great country to do a million percent. And I'd say Ray would agree with me that I would say if there's one thing that we are now, again, we do, we all tend to get a little bit set in our own values, I guess, in ways politically. We're only but, human. Right. But at the same time, like I do like to feel like, you know, I'm constantly open to change with, with new revolving information. So that being said, what having listened to a lot of us yapping, what do you feel like, Man, you guys are missing the mark on that, like politically. Is there one issue that you've said, you fucking idiots have blown that one, and let me tell you why? That I would like to hear that. Now I don't I don't know if if I uh, if I've necessarily exploded like that I've I've laughed a little bit there was a, a bit I think I texted you Tristan about Ray going off about kids wearing uh, hats at the Easter uh, dinner table or whatever <laughs> love that love that rant no but when it comes to politics I think the biggest um, I guess the biggest pushbacks that I've had sometimes when I've listened to you all is not pushing back hard enough on um, certain guests that. Uh, you know, either do agree with you or don't agree with you. I, I feel like sometimes you let it slide. And I know you're not necessarily playing the hardball journalist game here on sure. ECS, but sometimes I listen to it and I'm like, well, uh, hold on. Like, I feel like 
I feel like there's there's a little bit further that this question could go, or we yeah. could push things down a, a rabbit hole a little bit more. Um, and and I think uh, I mentioned uh, Elena Grace uh, when she was on here talking about um, abortion and whatnot. I, I thought, and there were a lot of big. You know, uh, there were a lot of really high intensity moments at that time. I feel like there's a, a heightened temperature in the country, even though I was 4,000 miles away, I could still feel it. And there were French girls that were telling me how mad they were about the United States, you know, and, wow. and the changes they were making, even though France has stricter abortion laws than, than the U.S. So, I mean, it, it is what it is. But I felt like some things, uh, like the conversation could have gone a little bit further at times. So, Ray, Ray you have something? Yeah, uh, that's almost verbatim, Nate, what my brother, who's a pretty faithful listener and has been a guest, uh, said to me. He's like, I know you are biting your tongue and there's more that you want to say. And I guess what Triz and I would say about that is, uh, you know, obviously we're finding our way. We really don't know if we yet have an audience for this. And I think we try to be polite to people. But, you know, we all know, being involved in media, that, Bomb throwers generally do well, left or right. And I don't think Tristan and I really want to be bomb throwers or make anyone uncomfortable. But, yes, there have been things said that I've certainly bit my tongue on. And um, that's funny. It's almost exactly what my brother said, Nate. So good minds think alike. I've heard that also. Uh, so it's funny. And I don't know, Ray, that we've ever had that conversation. But I've got No, that. I don't think we have. I've gotten that from my Republican friends saying it about our, our left-leaning guests and vice versa. My left-leaning best friend has said, man, you guys really should have given Tony a little bit more on the right. Like, we didn't go far enough. But, um, uh, shoot, the point I was going to make. Is that the, you're just a, 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 a fair a polite individual who doesn't want to offend anyone. I think no, that's it. I think uh, <laughs> some, some of the best content I think that we've had was not on this show, but when we were invited on uh, as a guest to our Republican friend in Texas, All because, right. because there was a bit of that. And I really thought right. the back and forth didn't go too far, but we definitely, and, and to your point, you, you killed it. Like it, it was Phillip, uh, the Philip show. Yeah. Philip show. Uh, Philip uh, Blackman. Show. And I thought that right. was the best, you know, I, I would like to replicate that because I think it is good to really, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, well, explain that or, or why do you feel that way and really getting to the root of some of that. And we are quick to jump off the conversation and, and roll into, you know, anything else. But, man, I think that's a, that's a good point. And I'll double down on uh, on saying that about um, just the example of Elena's. Yeah, Elena is actually a writer with Stoflake. So, like, we, we have a lot of, like, I, I feel like I know her more and more um, every time we talk. And we have, you know, really great conversations. And sometimes when you listen to someone for, I mean, it's hard to be a guest on a show. I mean, you've got 30 minutes, 45 minutes to say all of the things that you're trying to say. And then what if it doesn't come out right? You know, do you yes, really sure. know someone just by 30 minutes? And I think that that um, for uh, uh, any guest on any podcast, especially one that's talking about uh, politics, which is a really that's a hard thing to do because politics are not I don't find it to be fun. I don't find politics to be fun. I find it to be kind of uh, dragging on myself uh, personally. That's why I don't usually talk about politics Um and I think that's why a lot of people find me very hard to to place it politically. Um, but I, I would say, yeah, they're, they're, it's a not an easy task to do. But overall, I think the guest shows that you guys have had have been uh, kind of electrifying at times. I I, I do want to you know lean in and listen a little bit more. Nice. Okay. Well, thank you. Yeah. So what do you what do you stand? Uh, where do you stand, Nate, on uh, 
on Trump at this point? I'm like, were you a Trump guy and now you're not? You've never been a Trump guy. I'm not or- a Trump guy. I'm not a Trump guy. We got a lot of we got a lot of Trump fans. No, um, I am a. Uh, that was a terrible impression, but I am a. Uh, Wasn't bad at all. <laughs> so we'll with, with Trump, I, the news right now is that he announced, and um, w- the way that I kind of uh, absorb my news is that I don't necessarily go searching for it a lot. If it's important, I feel like it'll come to me. I feel I feel like my news will come to me, and I'll hear about it one way or another. Interesting. For most of my, and and I think for a lot of people, that's a pretty healthy way to live. Right. Um, not being Fair. necessarily too in the know. Um, if I want to get in the know, if I want to dive in on something, I, I've do, you know, talk about something boring. You talk about like senators, both right and left, that are a little, um, a little too warm with China. You know, they've got a lot of, uh, you know, Chinese relationships that maybe are inappropriate for someone in power in the United States. That's kind of boring. For me, looking at someone like Trump, um, I think that the free speech uh, aspect of things is the most interesting that I pay attention to. And, of course, Twitter, if we can mix that in, because there's a lot of saying, well, with Trump running for president again, should he be allowed back on Twitter? Should Elon Musk, who's acquired Twitter and is changing a bunch of things, um, should he allow Trump to come back on? He put a poll out on Twitter of whether or not to let the uh, former president onto the app again. And I think that it had more yes votes than no votes, but it was like 51 to 49 percent. Right. Very, very tight. Yeah, um, I think that news and, actually yeah. dropped yesterday, Nate, that he they are welcoming him back to Twitter if he wants. Now, the other side of that, I think he has a deal with Truth Social that mm-hmm. may void some of his money if he goes back. So he may protect his money and just stay with Truth. But yes, to your point, that, and, and Elon went with the poll. So it was a uh, yes. And you know what's funny about that is I am the furthest thing from a Trump guy. I mean, personally, I don't really have a problem with Donald Trump. I think Trisden said on our last show, we've known this man. I've known him since the 80s. I'm much older than you guys. No, I've known of him. Never met Mr. Trump. Um, but I certainly was never a Trump guy. And after January 6th, I was very much off the, you know, completely opposed to to Trump and, and running again. However, I've never done social media, Nate. I've never been a Facebook guy or going back to MySpace, Facebook, uh, you know, so on and so forth. But I signed up about two weeks ago for Twitter because I thought that it was going to be a fun place to be with Elon Musk buying it, that perhaps Trump was coming back. And I was watching some television last night, and I'm very guilty of too much politics, and it is kind of a passion of mine. And I completely understand people who are bored to tears by it. Our mechan- I run a bowling center here in Richmond, and our mechanic is a very country fella, Brandon, who loves racing. And I've often said to him, Brandon, you would be bored to tears spending a Sunday morning with me watching political shows, and I would be bored to tears spending a Sunday, a- a Sunday afternoon with you watching NASCAR. But we each have our passions, and that's cool. But um, I was watching shows last night, and these left-wingers were just incensed at how can Elon Musk do this. I signed up for Twitter because I wanted to see Trump come back to it. So, and I'd like to make that point because all these lefties are apoplectic and beside themselves. How dare they? What happened to free speech? Where did this go? I get January 6th. I might have said September 6th. I get January 6th. I get the opposition to Trump. But in the land of the free and the home of the brave, the man is still allowed to speak, is he not? 
A hundred percent. And, and yeah. I, I gotta think that the way that, and I disagree with Trump on a lot. I, he's very loud, you know, and I think that's the number well, one I'm thing from that Jersey, I, he's from New York. Uh, true, like true. Yeah. I was going to say, maybe, maybe that's not so, uh, you know, not so crazy in the Northeast. But when I look at his, the reactions that a lot of people on the quote mainstream media have, especially on CNN and MSNBC, they need him. They need Trump they to do. be back because they that they're going to have all sorts of content. I can't right. imagine how how boring it must be for them. Like you talk about a slow news day, you know, it's, we talk about two slow news years, which isn't always a bad thing, but for, you know, but for these, uh, you know, CNN, the ratings is dropping and dropping and dropping and MSNBC yes. who used to be just soaring through the charts when uh, Trump was president, yep. they would have something to continuously complain about. You know, they kind of need him. So it's this weird feeling of like, oh, no, don't come back, please. No, don't do it. But if you want, you know, and then they, and then they kind of come back to him. It's 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 a total acting job, I think. And I kind of look at all of the politicians like that. I don't look at politicians necessarily as being evil, um, left or right. I think that there are some that are probably are more corrupt than others. I think that's right. totally the case. But I feel like, for the most part, politics politicians are actors, and these actors play to their constituent, constituents. They play to their crowd that would then cheer for them and get them elected for an encore and things like that. And I hear things like, you know, Trump shouldn't be allowed to say this. I just don't – I want him to say the stupid stuff because then I, I can further believe that I'm not going to vote for him when you know pri when the primaries come – or uh, yeah, when the primary elections come sure. around. I can make sure um, whatever state I'm living in at that time, if I'm voting, I'm not going to vote for that because of this. Or I don't know. Maybe if he does say things that actually do change my mind about him, I'm willing to keep an open mind even about someone as wild as Trump. I'm willing to right. keep an open mind. Let's just – hear the guy out, see what he has to say. But if we shut him down and put him on something like Truth Social, which I'm, I am a social media guy, I am not a Truth Social guy. I'm not going to dive that deep to find out what Trump is saying. If we put him in the dark, that is only going to embolden him more and make him stronger. And I think that would push him to the fringe even more, which I, I'm worried about. So, Tristan, did you have something? I thought I saw you raise your hand. I didn't actually, but uh, you know, I guess what I would say to that is, I don't feel like much like the like the right to bear arms would not encompass a Gatlin gun necessarily that the forefathers with the Second Amendment didn't necessarily have Twitter in mind, which is fine. I, I don't think it should be limited, but I also feel like there is a limit. So where do you draw the line? Like, again, if somebody's on there saying the N word every other word, look, you, there's going to be a repercussion which is fair. I mean, it's a privately owned company and you probably want more people on it. So if you're limiting that type of language, abusive language, it's a more family friendly place and you can have more people on your private company's platform to speak. So in the same vein, if you organize nearly a successful coup and part of that is, look, we can't have you here for a year or two or six months or, or whatever. I mean, I don't think just because you're powerful or because you were president or have been president, and, and I've changed my mind on that. I went from the camp of, like, it doesn't do the country any good to punish people like that to, look, there has to be a set of rules in place because in the old days somebody might take not being punished as a president and say, okay, I'm Richard Nixon. I'll fade away. I'm never going to run for anything again. Give me my pardon. I'll go away. Where Trump says 
it's it's a win. I won, so I can, can I'm emboldened and I can do more and more. So again, I don't think that it's a situation where free speech is completely unlimited on Twitter, and I'm you know the most angry person in the world that he was kicked off for you know indefinite an indefinite period of time. But to your point, I, I think that's something you have to watch because it could it could snowball into you know deeply hurt, hurting general free speech so yeah we all agree that the n-word on repeat is a bad situation like that uk college girl but you know where but where does that end and we do have to be vigilant in saying just because we don't agree with idiots we don't want to lose our freedoms we just have to be really careful with that to your point yeah yeah, and yeah. when I listen to uh, when you talk about January sixth, which I I remember how wild it was. I didn't really understand what was all going on. I I was uh, you know kind of dating this girl who actually uh, works for uh, Democratic Party in Kentucky, maybe Lexington. I, I, either way, and uh, and I I just didn't understand the severity of the situation or what really was going on I, again i'm not going to seek out that news the news is going to come to me and, and she actually like stopped talking to me because of it because i wasn't outraged enough wow. and uh, and 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 we've had conversations since and we're cool like there's no there's no bad blood but with that uh i've I've looked into the whole January 6th thing and, you know, yeah, was Trump inciting stuff? Maybe, you know, maybe I'm still willing to, you know, say yes. But I also am always reminded about the, uh, you know, after the George Floyd protests and the burning that took place in cities and the incitement from Maxine Waters, perfect example, Chuck Schumer, good example as well, of these people who are on tape saying, you know, punch them in the face, you know, do these things, march on this. You know, it's it's crazy to me, though, that any politician would say any of that. But should we ban all of them? Should we? I I, I don't know. I think that you're right, Tristan, in setting a precedent. You ban one, does that mean you have to ban another? Do, do we just start banning everyone? Depending on who's in power, who's holding the stick, I think that's when people can't see that or imagine that when they stop getting creative and imagining that life could be much, much worse. I think they get emboldened. And I think that that's when these limits on free speech and, uh, and even if it's ugly speech, I think repercussion should take place for, you know, if, if you want to go on Twitter and you want to go on a, you know, a terrible racist rant talking about, I don't know, how black people are inferior or something like that. Okay, but A, Twitter can throw you off, and B, you should have to live with those repercussions, right, that are coming to you. You know, when your job fires you, or, you know, your your, your girlfriend leaves you, or something along those lines. Ray, you got something? Yeah, that was uh, Dennis Miller years ago when he said, uh, America is a country where you're free to say whatever you would like, and I'm free to mock the hell out of you. And that's really what it amounts to. I mean, I've, I've never understood the notion of safe spaces or... Uh, you know, keeping somebody from from speaking. I know Tristan and I have talked about it. Okay, so you've got uh, a group of Jewish kids and there's a Nazi going to come to address them. Might you put up, uh, you know, a barrier to that? Yeah, possibly. So there may be some instances. But, you know, even at that, I would say let the guy speak and, and he can show his own, you know, stupidity while he speaks to you. So um, it's, it's really a, a bad precedent, and, and that's all driven by the left. And, and I don't know if you heard our show where I said I was um, at my nephew's wedding who went to Yale and there were a bunch of Yaleys there and we were in our cups having a conversation. And this one young man, uh, West Cuthbert, I'd like to get him on the show. He's um, 
you know, from a family. His dad's an MD, a very, very intelligent cat, quite conservative. But the point that he made that I did chuckle at was um, because I often say what the right misunderstands about the left is their intention. None of these programs that have gone awry were put in place to get the result that they had, whether it's self-esteem issues or, you know, government aid and so forth. It's just that the results have been bad. And, you know, and I always use Fox News to sort of demonstrate <laughs> the right thought process. As you should. And yeah, Fox still will just, you know, beat up, beat up, beat up the left and never give them any credit. And West, this young guy from Yale, said, oh, absolutely. The, the, the left is always well-intended. It's just that the result is often terrible. And I think that's a fair critique. I, th- I think, did you see Mar last week, Trizden, where he talked about the uh, intellectual rot on the left, um, institutional stupidity, where really bright people all have to toe the line and say the same thing. And I think it was relative to that kid from um, what's the company that the crypto company that went belly up? ATS XP, yeah, something. Yeah. So did you? Yes, hear, so he I was, did. So this kid was raised by two Stanford economic professors. Brilliant kid, and his mother wrote. I don't know if it was a book or a, a thesis in like 2011 about how we've reached a point now where we should no longer blame anyone. Blame is a thing of the past. Really? Blame is a thing of the past. And and Moore's point was right. And that, those are the kind of people who raised this kid who had this grand Ponzi scheme, you know, the millennial Madoff, because that's the most ridiculous thing we would all agree. I think any reasonable people, 80% of the country would agree that's the stupidest thing from a brilliant woman. Blame is no longer something we should have because, you know, that that puts up barriers and it puts people, uh, you know, it it points fingers at people and so forth. That's just left-wing idiocy, and we do have to deal with that. I mean, it's just out there. No, I I think to the the name of our show, Extreme Common Sense, I think it would be naive to focus only on one side's, you know, uh, ways they are – detrimenting society and not being a part of a commonsensical attitude for sure yeah and i you know when because i again i've referenced that i'm quite a bit older than you guys so i i I saw this and i lived this i was raised one way my children were raised another way because i got caught up in it you know i was a parent of millennials Uh, my children were born in 91 and 95 and i saw a lot of that ninth place trophy self-esteem i I remember clearly an incident where uh, i know this is going to sound like i'm making this up but it's the god's honest truth i I won't give you her name because i doubt she'd listen but i you know people who will listen will know her but a very good friend of ours had a young daughter who's about a year older than ours and these kids are two and three and we're at a party and this little girl has a metal fork and she's putting it into an outlet just um, like you'd see on a movie so I walk over and I say, no, don't do that. I, try, I used her name, you know, no, Sarah, don't do that. The mother comes over. She's not mad at me, but she says, oh, Buzzy, um, we don't tell her no. We redirect her energy in a positive way. And I'm thinking two things. One, you're going to spend your life hearing yes and no. Okay, those are two words in the English language that aren't going away. And if she sticks that fork into that outlet, her energy is going to be redirected in a different way. So tell this kid no. And I get it. You know, they're they're. It's I get the notion behind that. I get the um, you know the desire. It's well intended. 
But at the end of the day, it's flawed. And now we've got kids 25 years out. That was, I'm talking probably 92, so we're close to 30 years, or it is 30 years, um, that are filled with anxieties and filled with less self-esteem. And the left has to look at that. In my opinion, the left has to look at that and address that. Conservatives are not wrong when they bring those subjects up. They're not. Yeah, I will say every time I've seen that, and I've seen some examples of that, it's, you know, especially growing up in what I would consider certainly normal circumstances as far as parenting, it was always bizarre to me when I would see a parent that would, uh, you know, couldn't, like, I mean, they wouldn't say no, but like almost to the point of like, they would be standing up on a dinner table screaming, and like the parents just sit there as though, you know, well, this is part of how we parent, and you're just like, Where's the common right. sense? And I mean, yes, to to the discredit of the South and what I saw on the other side, you may not have to take off your belt and beat them to death. But there's also, you know, so the, the, the middle ground is in there somewhere. But there is a point where you probably have to say, look, honey, we can't scream at the top of our lungs at dinner. You know, we've got guests over. We have to use our inside voice or go to the corner or something because, yes, and, and that is certainly something that, that our side has, has, has gotten wrong. Well, at the risk of sounding you know, a tad pretentious. I think Patty and I, I think my wife and I found that middle ground, quite honestly. We never struck our kids, never took the belt. I could count on one hand the number of times that I hit either kid, and there was a time or two where you were just frustrated or they had done something dangerous, whatever, but very, very limited. But they were taught boundaries, to your point, Tristan. You can't scream at the dinner table and then have it excused by saying, oh, well, that's just we're developing his or her personality. No, there's parameters that you have to live with. Again, extreme common sense. And some of those parameters are gone, you know, and it's all about the children. We were at a restaurant the other night, and our meal was almost ruined by this two-year-old kid who just kept yelling. And that's that's just terrible. And, you know, my kids wouldn't have done that. And if they had, we'd have removed them from that situation, you know. There's be an adult, right? Be an adult. Don't just pretend it's not happening. And I don't know. So, if Nate, this I don't is... know. You got anything on this? Yeah, I assume you. Well, neither of you guys are parents, but you see kids all the time. And I mean, it's different. It's different than the way I was raised. And Tristan's right. There was some, you know, corporal punishment that happened back in the day that nobody would be um, an advocate of. But children, you know, their, their needs. I, I, I am at my most conservative when it comes to child rearing. I really am. Just real quickly, and uh, I'll say this. And Ray, I think this is a point that you've made several times, so I'll steal it from you and make it. But it feels like 20, 30 years ago, people would live their lives, the adults would be sort of in charge, and the kids would be, of course, loved and respected, but they were the kids. You know, They had to be quiet while the adults were doing things, and there were those boundaries. And, and somewhere in the last 20, 25 years, it turned into – the kids were almost in charge, and, and the kids' needs, you know, far surpassed every right. adult in the room. And that, that is kind of fascinating, that balance, how it shifted. It did shift, yeah. It, it used to be, uh, you know, American society was about adults, and, and over the past 30 years or so, it became about the kids. Um, and, and that is just a change. It really is. 
And as someone who is, you, know, you were saying your kids were born 91, 95. I was born 94, so I'm like right in the middle, oh, cool. at least, okay. of, uh, of those two. So just knowing how my parents raised me, I I hear a lot of people talk about how they have like regrets or how they hold things against their parents. And everyone's situation is different. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I really, I can truly say, and I've told this to my parents, and I probably don't tell them enough, but I have never once looked back and been like, wow, I really wish my parents hadn't done this, or I felt like they were too harsh with me here. And yeah, like sometimes my, like I get a little rolled up uh, newspaper or magazine, get it swatted across my backside, and guess what? I deserved it. I deserved it. You know, like looking back, I threw a snowball at like a sports car in Wisconsin one day. Like, yeah, I probably should have gotten some sort of negative reinforcement for that. And that's okay. You know, however they wanted to figure it out, that's on them. No parenting is perfect. There's not one cookie cutter way of parenting kids properly. So I'm not going to hold it against my parents ever for whatever, uh, you know, they handled me or however they handled me because um, I, mean, I think is, it turned they, out okay i would say you're right i think your parents did a great job i've not met them i've just met you now um, but you're a, a, a humble and a polite young man and that's all you can ask at the end of the day and you know that's not to say that kid who was screaming on the table is not going to wind up that way but i do i, I do be, being a father of two millennials and managing about 25 more um i do find myself often asking why they are so filled, why your generation is so filled with anxieties. And it has obviously something to do with the parenting and, and, and the societal want to, you know, build self-esteem and so forth. And, I, you know, I often say that self-esteem doesn't come from being told you're good. It comes from actually accomplishing something. That's the only way self-esteem is built. You can't manufacture self-esteem. You have to do things to realize that you have worth and value, right? So, Again, not to pick on our friends on the left, they are well-intended, but a lot of that has gone awry. It simply has. Yes, sir, Mr. Reynolds. Well, I would say, first of all, as somebody with two kids, and you would probably agree or uh, have a comment on this, but also you probably can't parent every kid in a cookie-cutter way. Like, you're going to have, you know, if you have four kids, one of those kids may be a jerk that needs a little bit more additional punishment versus you may have a a, a kid that you could just say, hey, listen, we don't do that. And they say, oh, okay, Dad, I get it. And, you know, so probably some kids uh, need more parenting than other kids. And I would say going to the anxiety thing, in my mind, I feel like, you know, for generations, people were raised to go to work and procreate. And there wasn't this level of self-importance. And I feel as though starting maybe in the 80s, we were told how special we were and how great we were. So there became this aura of, well, I've got to protect myself. I'm very special. Like, I'm very important. And I think that, in my mind, has led to a lot of the anxiety stuff. Because, I mean, again, why would you be scared to grow up and know you're going to go fight in a war or you're going to work in the tobacco field or whatever? I, th- I think that has created a lot of that, just our our own self-importance. We're not as important as we feel. Yeah, I, and with that, with our phones in our pockets at all times and our phones yeah. having access to, you know, I know, Ray, you said you're not a big social media guy, but how many of us in our, you know, early 30s and younger are social media people? We're on TikTok constantly. We're on Instagram right. constantly looking at how amazing everyone else's life is or appears to be, and we aren't personally at that point. And I feel like our society, you talk about the societal pressure, I think that our society is extremely – at least my generation is extremely obsessed 
with money. And it all comes yes. down to the bottom dollar. And if you have more than me, you have a better life than I do. And if you're getting more than me, then you have a better life than I do or or whatever. And I feel like we just have this big kind of, you know, for lack of a better term, wiener measuring contest to decide, <laughs> you know, who, who's, you know, who whose life is better because, oh, I bought this bag. I bought this. And I know that other generations have done versions of that before, but I don't know if other generations have been so inundated to that thought process because of that little phone or big phone even that we have in our pockets telling us how we need to be doing more at all times. So that begs a question, Nate, and Tristan and I have had this conversation, and I always defer to him because he's very uh, socially media uh, astute, Mm -hmm. um, as you are. So how do you uh, grade the Internet, Facebook, uh, you know, Snapchat, et cetera, um, as a whole, you know, net zero, net plus? Because um, Triz and I think, I don't profess to speak for you, Triz, and, and, you know, please jump in on this. I think Triz actually thinks overall probably negative, right? And I'm wondering what you think about that. Yeah, I, I would say – Go it, ahead. Well, I'll just be super quick. I, I, will, I do feel like there's – I was having a conversation with my wife today about it's just a yin and yang. Like over the pandemic, we couldn't see our family and we had this immediate access to pictures, live chat videos. So like, it's such a great thing. But yes, with that, the yang of that is also this miserable living up to the standards of everybody you went to high school with 30 years ago, (laughs) or where's your kids or, you know, where's your promotion or why aren't you uh, visiting France for three months, Nate? So, (laughs) and also I I know, no, that was Nate. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I will say this before I, I let Nate speak. I'm so old back in my day, we had to measure our wieners the old-fashioned way with a tape measure. <laughs> yeah, not with Instagram followers. Or right, not like with Instagram that. followers, so, exactly. <laughs> yeah, to, to that question, Ray, about whether it's a net positive, negative, neutral, um, I, I will say it is too early to tell, but my gut tells me because I look at the potential and I look at my own personal experience with it. And I'm not talking about TikToks that I've had that have gone viral or anything like that. That means nothing. It, it, it costs nothing for someone to double tap a screen and say they like the video, a relatable video I made about being from the Midwest. Nothing like that matters. What does matter, though, and why I think that social media is a net plus is because I think it does bring us together in a very unique way that we've never had before. And I feel like with this new technology, extremely new technology in the grand scheme of things, it will only we will get better, I think, at managing our social media responsibly in the future as a society. Um, for example, back in 2019, my life was like totally flipped upside down. Uh, my mom uh, ended up being a broadcaster up in Cincinnati for a long time. She was a DJ here doing country music. That's awesome. You come by it natural. Cool. Yeah. So all all sorts of stuff. And, you know, that's like my idol. And she ended up, you know, not a smoker, you know, had a couple beers every now and then, but not a big drinker at all. Ends up with uh, throat cancer in, Uh uh, you know, in 2019. And so it's like, wow, like, well, I'm away. I'm in Cincinnati. My brother, he's in school down in Southern Illinois. We're so far away from her. And my dad, he's a pilot, and he's flying all over the place. My mom would – I can't imagine what it must feel like. And praise God, my mom is – you know, to, she's healed. She's – right. know, it's not even right, remission. Right. You know, that, that the tumor's gone and all sorts of great stuff. And, That's awesome. Uh, I, I, you know, going with her to those uh, chemo sessions that she had to take, and thankfully she only had two, like, big ones – I just remember her telling me about how I need to post more on social media because when she's sitting at home feeling like shit and 
her, you know, the chemo's kicking in and, you know, she just feels drained. She doesn't feel so alone when she can go see, Not oh, hey. Company. That's yeah, right. She, fe- she feels like she's got company, even though it's not necessarily me being right there. I still feel like that is a huge benefit and that yeah, will be, yeah. and maybe in, I don't know. I know the metaverse is a, another topic with that. We don't have time to talk really about a yeah. ton today, but when you look at these things and, and how they do bring us together in certain ways right now, it's fairly unregulated. I know that people want more regulation, less regulation, whatever. I, I feel like we're just in the, uh, zygote stages of yes, the, this, in, the infancy, in, yes, exactly. And I think even before internet, yes, because who knows where this all can go? And I right. just I and try it, to again think creatively, and I see the upside. Now, granted, there is downside, obviously, because we've seen you know riots and we've seen people get bullied and suicides and horrible things like that. Overall, I will I will sit on the side of hope and say that it is a positive overall. That's great, Nate, and and it's not going away. So we have to figure those things sure. out. And to hear you say that, you know, there's uh, places where it's going, and and there's still uh, I don't know if regulation is the right word, but we there's some self correcting that we may be able to do. And it puts me in mind of my brother, who's a thirty. You know, he's it's his birthday today, actually. Happy birthday, Thomas! November twenty second. Oh, I gave it nice. away. Chris. Happy birthday, but, uh, <laughs> Tommy was actually born. This kind of funny. He was born one year to the day. After JFK's assassination, because this is 63, so it's what, 59 years? Next year it'd be 60. Wow. JFK was assassinated, yeah. And Tommy always said he was the reincarnated JFK, born <laughs> a year to the day after he was assassinated. But he's been in the classroom 35 years. He's He was going to retire thinking, nah, you know what, I like what I do. And he teaches, to be fair, he teaches AP kids, um, English literature. But I asked him once about, you know, so how have kids changed in 35 years? And he actually said, because I said to him, come on, man, you're pulling my leg. You're just trying to be uh, contrarian. He said, I am not. He said, the kids today are better than the kids were in the 80s. He started teaching whatever 35 years is, 88, Mm -hmm. 87. And I said, you're full of crap, man. And he said, I'm telling you, the kids now are better behaved and more respectful. And that is something cool to hear because nobody says that, right? Ah, the kids all suck. I say that. I'm I'm bad about it. (laughs) So that was they cool were their hats at the uh, Easter table, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> Just, uh, no hats at the Thanksgiving table. Actually, there probably will. My nephew yeah, probably. John probably will have his hat on, and I'll keep my mouth shut. And but, Tommy uh, no, was a great guest, by the way, as well on the was? show. That was one of the episodes I listened all the way through. Oh, cool. on. That was a, a cool. great conversation. Well, that, that's great to hear. But to hear him say he's got uh, a lot of hope for kids, and he, he thinks they're great. And to hear you say that. You see the downside of the internet, but there's there's a lot of places that it it can take us, and it does a lot for us. It's good to hear. That's cool. So I've got a question for you, Nate. Uh, without much of a very good segue, do you I'm remember gonna... I, <laughs> you you stopped by Wallingford, my 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 daily place of employment, and I still. Till this day, he's he's did that to about three or four uh, Berea College alumni, and it's not anything personal. It's that our owner is running a farm and doing fifteen things at once, and he's just yeah, we'll get to that, we'll get to that. But you were willing to work for Wallingford, and man, what a nice addition to uh, the Wallingford family you would have been. So uh, I I think he he really dropped the ball on that. Another guy, a comedian, 
Joe Deuce, if you, you're familiar with him, maybe mm-hmm. online. Oh, yeah. a, for, a broadcast partner of mine. Yes. Yeah, I know Joe very well. Yeah, yeah, Joe at one time, you know, would have been happy to do some stuff for us. And I just want to shake our, the owner of our company sometimes for the things that he misses. And I just think, man, which obviously things have worked out much better for you and, and everything you're doing. But, man, that, that would have been pretty cool. Uh, yeah, and I was thinking a lot about that. When we were originally trying to schedule something like this, I was thinking about the first time that you and I really got to uh, speak together. And I, I, had, I felt like I had a pretty good demo coming out of college um, for, like, my anchor, you know, newsroom, very serious <laughs> stuff. And and uh, and actually, the funny thing is that was one take. I only did a one-take shot on that, and it was perfect. I was like, all right, cool, Leah, let's go with that. Or it was <laughs> as perfect as it could have been um, with the production that we had. And uh, I remember being not frustrated with um, – because, I, you know, I, you were honest with me, Tristan. You told me, look, also, like, our owners here – and I actually know Seth Wallingford, his, I think – Nephew, uh, nephew yeah. something like that. Yeah. So right. Seth, uh, Berea College baseball player, Seth and I, I've known him for quite a long time. Um, but you know, I was talking to you and you said you know, he do, he's nervous about people coming in from the outside because uh, he doesn't want this to be like just a stepping stone to go on to something else. That's, and, yeah. uh, and and I know that um, I, th- I think I would have done fine uh, working with you at, at Wallingford, and it would have probably been fun, but I also 100% would have used it as a stepping stone. Yes. So there was no, <laughs> there is no question. Like in my mind, I had, I had Cincinnati or Lexington on my, you know, like in my head as far as where I wanted to continue my broadcasting career. And instead I opted to do nothing and then reached out to a school in um, Northern Kentucky Thomas Moore University, uh, which has welcomed me me in. I've been doing now what five years of broadcasting for them. They're going to be Division Two next year. Um, a really cool program, a small Catholic school up on the Ohio River. And from there, I've been able to also get noticed and picked up by Northern Kentucky University, which is Division One. I've uh, I'm wearing my uh, UC Bearcats, uh, you know, hoodie or a uh, sweater right now, and I've uh, had the great pleasure of working with them. That's the team I cheered for when I was a little kid. So to to be able to do announcing work and uh, you know broadcasting for Thomas More, which is a really awesome uh, program, and also NKU and UC and kind of you know bump up to do the ESPN plus broadcast it's kind of fun it's uh, it, it was a good opportunity with um with a lot of uh, i guess serendipity that came along with it actually nate um as we do here slightly off topic uh my son is the ticket manager at eastern kentucky and they played basketball at uc a week ago sunday so i went up with ray and um man it's a beautiful campus a beautiful facility so what are you doing for uc so I, I'm in their like Rolodex when they need like a, oh, nice. when they need a, a like an announcer or something like that. They'll call me that's up. Cool. So, but that's um, a foot in yeah. the door. Exactly, and yeah. that's all I can ask for. This is my first year doing anything with them, um, and they they've just been so awesome, awesome, awesome to me. Um, and, and a lot of that's public address. That's not like on the you know CB because CBS or like a big usually usually it's a big company that broadcasts their games. I know I think their last game was on ESPN two out in Maui. But right. as far as just getting in the door and knowing people and networking, uh, yeah, UC is uh, it, they, them and NKU both have been really awesome well, to be with. As Tristan said at the beginning of this you have a great style a fantastic voice you mentioned your mom you come by it natural so i wish you the best of luck it's really cool and i assume you're a sports guy huge sports guy yeah, yeah so if massive. You, can keep your, you know if you can keep a toe in sports i'm sure that's very cool right yeah and it pays i mean it pays not 
a majority of my bills. I would say like it pays as much as podcasting does for me personally. But I would say that uh, a lot of the money that I make is through um, and why I can go to Paris. And I know you guys give me all about that. But um, <laughs> I, I didn't say a word. That's all true. <laughs> but, but with that, you know, doing doing voiceover work is something that's a passion of mine. Um, be it kind of more fun, animated voice acting stuff, or you know, something more serious about you know about that's insurance. Great. Things like that. That that's what I. That's where I kind of make my bread and butter, and that's doing. And so Western and Southern, back to them. I, I do a lot of uh, voiceover work with Western and Southern still, even though I don't work for them anymore on a full time basis. And those connections, you know, just just being willing to do things that are sometimes kind of mundane. You know, I, yeah. Do I want to read about the capital to asset ratio and do a you know a two minute read about it for agents? So it's not even going to be out really in the world. Like, no, I, maybe that's not the sexiest of work but you know what it it is a good paycheck and i still get to know that i'm helping out people that um that i I really respect and uh believe will um continue to work with me it's it's been fun that's really cool i did a couple of instructional videos when i was working for mr wallingford with a professor uh ramsey over at eastern kentucky Oh, nice. Paul used me a couple of times, go into a little isolation booth and read this very staid Mm -hmm. uh you know uh basically a, a description of what the job is and what the safety features are. And, yeah, that can be a little bit tough, you know. I've got a couple of those uh, DVDs hanging around somewhere. But, uh, no, that, that's really cool, man. And, and you're a young guy, and the future is bright, and you're very hopeful, and you were a wonderful guest. It was a lot of fun, Nate. So, so France, for three months, you do have to tell us about that. Yeah, so I I, uh, I just I, I studied abroad there at Berea College uh, back when I was twenty, and I kind of wanted to see it when I was twenty seven. So cool. I, uh, I I was missing it. Uh, I have a lot of friends over there that are, are that are French. They're not like just living there or whatnot. They're yeah. from that area, and many of them have migrated to Paris. Um, and I wanted to go over there. I wanted to write. I've got a couple of projects that are coming out in twenty twenty three, podcast related, um, and I wanted to really dive into that kind of not bohemian lifestyle. Style because I'm I'm not trying to you know pick up syphilis or something like that or uh, you know or drink drink absinthe out of a lead tub, uh, but I did I did want to go over there and see the city again and just kind of embrace it and I uh, I really feel like the French people um, you know be them immigrants you know from North Africa be it you know standard Parisians that people think are you know kind of snooty or whatnot right. I feel like right. almost everyone that I came across because and and my French is okay you know it's it's not great. It's um, they're they're very open to speak English with me almost always, and they're usually very very receptive and polite. Oh, cool. So uh, it, it's something that I I get that there's a stereotype, just like they have a stereotype of all Americans being you know this big brash cowboy or something like that. That's not not always the case. Um, obviously with with me being diminutive and from the north, but they um they they are very uh, great people. And honestly, I'm looking forward. I'm planning on getting back in uh, in May again after the Kentucky Derby right. and after the um, after all the Kentucky festivities end, if you will. Do you have any French blood? Yeah, so Metz, my last name, um, that's a city in France, actually. Okay. It's Metz. Well, there I think you it's go. the fifth largest city um, over near the uh, near the German border. It's in the Alsace-Lorraine region. So, you know, my family, um, my dad's side, they have all sorts of, 
you know, in Cincinnati, like German, like heritage sure. is really strong. Sure. So people are, I feel like my family's like embarrassed to say that Metz is a city in France sometimes. Not always, <laughs> but I feel like some people have a hard time coming to terms with that. Ultimately, it doesn't matter if it was German or if it was French. The blood's all the same. They're all the same, you know, hairy, dark haired people. And right. we're all here in America. You know, we right. all made the trip over. Let's make the most of it. Who cares where we came from? That's Let's, a great point. You know, let, do what we can. That's really cool. All right, Mr. Reynolds, what you got? Very nice. Yeah, I guess uh, on that note, um, Nate, it's been a pleasure. Uh, also, but you and I both played on the, the Berea College baseball team, which is always a cool link for people that I meet and know. And, of course, uh, those who are listening that may not know this, Berea College nationally ranked powerhouse for several years, So, especially <laughs> when you and I played, right? So just wanted to <laughs> yeah, get that I shout did. out for, for BC in there. Yeah, and and BC baseball, it was uh, it was it's a big rebuilding year. They're in like the hardest conference in D three right now, so I, they've got some. They definitely have room to grow, and I think actually they're on the right path. I mean, granted, it can only go up from where they were two <laughs> years ago. I'll say, like after they came out of the sure. pandemic and kind of restarted yeah. the program. But I, I do, um, I like the energy that they're bringing. I think they got some interesting guys. And honestly, Tristan, I am really excited. I know uh, you guys were talking beforehand about seeing a, a black basketball player versus a white basketball player and things like that. I'm kind of surprised that Berea never had more uh, international students play for the baseball team. I feel like when I was on there, and maybe you, you agree, it was mostly, you know, white or black boys or whatever, but from, you know, Tennessee and Kentucky and maybe a little Ohio or Wisconsin in my uh, situation. But yeah. now I feel like they've got a lot of guys from Puerto Rico. They've got a lot of guys from the Dominican Republic that are playing. And I'm like, well, duh. Doesn't it make – like, they? that is a culture that thrives in baseball. They love oh the sport, goodness. and they've been playing it since they were little kids. So I'm kind of surprised that it's taken this long for them to get kind of an international flair on their team. But I'm excited for them. I, I think that with a good mix of both uh, Appalachian students or Appalachian students and, uh, and, and international kids, I think that Berea baseball could actually be better than what they have been in the past. Yeah, of course – Yes, I'm with you. You know, obviously, as alumni, we always root for them. And, and I did see a lot of last names that ended in EZ this year. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think that, you know, that, that could only, uh, benefit us going forward to, to, to recruit from additional places. Yes. And, uh, and, uh, you know, again, some of those guys, it's, uh, it's a, it's a passion and, and yeah, it would be cool to see, uh, See that type of diversity on the baseball team for sure. So yeah, with that, uh, we do a little comedy, Nate. If, if you've got a joke or something, maybe, uh, would love to have you be a part of this. Of course, we'd like to thank, uh, Berea Pond, uh, buckshotandlead.com. I stopped and saw Aaron today and, uh, got some Christmas present stuff done. He, uh, he's got a lot of carpets right now, uh, not carpets, rugs. Like a, a huge pallet of, of rugs. So man, you never know what you're going to find at Berea Pond. Uh, check those guys out. Bad Wolf Gaming, of course, at 711 Chestnut Street, 859-646-6061. Got to thank our man, Troy. Thank you, Nate, while you're here. We appreciate you. Yeah, Nate, (laughs) let's do lunch. When you have some availability, I'd love to go out to lunch. I know I missed that day a couple weeks back, so let's do that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. That's yeah. that's good with me. Yeah. Ray. Otherwise, I'm going to have to hit up Thirsty Thursday at the bowling alley, like I used to in college, and uh, you know, and, and get after it. So, yeah. Either way, I yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on, and I know we didn't really oh, get into a lot of politics. On, 
But um, I know we talked about parenting, and I, I think that that if we if we kind of look at the issues more than what side are we on um, or where we are mapped politically, I think that a lot more compromise can come to play, and when that happens, we can get more things done. Maybe not on a national level. You know, I know you guys have your uh, connections on the coasts. Maybe in California, we're not going to be able to change them so much, just like they're not going to change Kentucky so much. Right. But Maybe in our own lives, in our own living rooms, in our own communities, we can make those changes. And with that, I do have a joke. Um, I wanted uh, I wanted to roll in with uh, with a, something that'll shake things up. I uh, I wanted to make a religious joke, um, uh. and I know uh, Jewish jokes are really hot right now. So I, I and I feel like Catholic <laughs> jokes. Um, myself being Catholic, it's kind of low hanging fruit. Um, but I wanted to uh, tell a Baptist joke, and you guys may have okay. heard this before. Um, but do you know why you bring two Baptists with you when you go fishing? Why? Because if you bring one, they'll drink all your beer. But if you bring two, they won't drink in front of you, or they won't drink in front of each other. So you guys are, yeah. So you can you can have a good time, and uh, yeah, I, I I just love that because I I think it also speaks to the truth of just human nature. I I think that whether it's politics, we all compromise sometimes internally. I know myself, like. I and I don't want to you know spin off. There are a lot of things in the Catholic Church that I disagree with, and that they would disagree with me about, and that's and that's okay. I think we just have to kind of laugh about it and um, and just try to be as humorous as we can together. So I uh, I knew a Presbyterian minister named Roy Barlow, uh, Reverend Barlow, and he was a very serious and and, and kind of um, I, I wouldn't call him uptight, but he was a very serious man. Mm-hmm. And one day I saw him, and he said, Ray. Do you know the three truths of religion? And I was like, oh, no, man, I'm kind of on the spot here. That was like a Jeopardy question. And I said, no, Reverend Barlow, I don't. What are they? He said, well, Jews don't recognize Jesus. Protestants don't recognize the Pope. And two Baptists in a liquor store don't recognize each other. COVID must have been great for them because, you know, they could wear the masks and uh, they, you know, they could go into you know, liquor, liquor barn drink. or whatever. Yeah, they can hit up Monty's. I don't. I don't think Mon- does Monty's exist anymore on twenty five. I don't think it does. I think it, was, it does not. Unfortunately, it was the bought store by does, someone else. It, yeah, somebody else bought it, but it's still there. Yeah, yeah. the store does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Monty was a genius. That was genius. Yes. Yeah, I agree. All right, right. Uh, All right top. Yeah. Well, that top, covers us on the jokes, Trish. You got a little something, something. Oh man, I've got a top ten list I uh, put together here. The Bad Wolf Gaming. Great. Uh, top 10 best things about being a Republican, since uh, Ray, you and I don't get to enjoy that privilege. Here's the top 10 things we're missing out on. Number 10, pickup trucks come in handy more than you think. Uh, number nine, Republicans have the best Confederate flag tattoos. Uh, number eight, uh, sleep great at night knowing how much money our tax breaks save the rich. <laughs> Number seven, Kid Rock will perform at our birthday party for free. It's a nice bonus. Uh, number six, admitting defeat is now optional. Mm. We're going to take a shot at Trump. Again, the top ten best things about being a Republican. Number five, not being stupid enough to say defund the police. You know, they did get that right. Uh, uh, Republicans believe in traditional marriage between one man and one porn star. Oh. Yeah, just, Okay, two shots at Trump, but that's it. Uh, they're torn because his last name is Biden, but his first name is Hunter. So you can see why that <laughs> would be. That's a good one. Yeah. That's funny. Uh, number two, cable stays cheap since they only have to pay for Fox News. And the number one 
best thing about being a Republican. Uh, they were smart enough not to let Bill Gates microchip us with his vaccine. Yes, very true. Yeah, mm-hmm. He got me there. The first one, hey, I will readily admit, pickup trucks are very, very handy. They are, right? They really are. I mean, that's percent. Yeah, it's no question. 100%. All right, fellas. Well, Nate, it was great. Like I said, we'll do lunch and, and get you on again, and we'll be tuning you in. And thanks for all the help that you've given us, and it's really been a pleasure to get to know you. Onward and upboard, boys. Thank you for uh, continuing to ignite conversation. Can't wait to see you in person next time. Yes. Happy Thanksgiving. Also, I know this will come out probably after Thanksgiving, but have a really happy Thanksgiving, and uh, I hope everyone listening does the same. Yes. You too, mate. Likewise. Thanks, man. We appreciate it. It was, uh, it was a pleasure for sure. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Extreme Common Sense with Trisden and Ray. We hope you had fun and look forward to taking on another topic next week. Hey guys, Trisden here from the Extreme Common Sense Podcast. You may notice Ray's not here because Ray's a lazy bastard. Just kidding, I love Ray, but he's not here. So nonetheless, Dan and Nasa with Bad Wolf Gaming, we appreciate your podcast support, and we hope if you're listening locally, you'll check them out at 711 Chestnut Street in Berea. They've got a full arcade with some gambling things, sort of. So check out the arcade, check out Dungeons & Dragons, Yu-Gi-Oh! Magic. They're a great place to buy your cards. Don't miss out. Get into Bad Wolf today. Tell them Extreme Common Sense sent you. Hello. According to our research, you like podcasts. Well, if you have a passion, mission, or story, you should have your own podcast. And I have a resource you might be interested in. Go to frontporchstudios.com slash products and services. You'll see how Front Porch Studios can help you enter the world of podcasting. Again, that's frontporchstudios.com slash products and services. Thank you for your time. Goodbye.